Welcome to Mac and Cheese Music Podcast with your hosts, Brian DeHart. Hey, this is Brian at Mac and Cheese. We're going to finish up with part two of our Dave Tiemann podcast. Stick around for it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be continually frustrated trying to get my mixes. <laughs> sometimes I just feel like crying. There's no crying in the studio. <laughs> Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that I want to compete in this world with my limited resources. <laughs> the truth. The truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Be that as it may, I'm going to share a little truth with you. Just so the audience can have an understanding of Dave Tiemann's abilities, we're going to play a track that Dave cut at Mac and Cheese Music years ago. Hold on to your hats. Yeah, and of course, yours truly on drums. All right, well, that's enough of that. Anyway, let's get on with the podcast. Thanks for listening. Magic happened. Really? Magic happened. It all of a sudden, it, it Opened just up. filled the room. Yeah. It filled the room. I could stand behind it. it sounded like I was standing in front of it. And right. And it was just, wow, did wonders Celestians for it. in it, or what are they using? I forget exactly what the speaker is. Yeah. Uh, Rivera a, downstairs has got a, the Celestian. It's like it. a seventy or seventy-five watt speaker yeah. in there. Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's sort of some sort of Celestian because mm -hmm. I think Marshall is uh, known for that. Right. And uh, but I can't recall off the top of my head. I I had known at one point, but it's like you know some series of numbers and letters. Right. And, my friend Darnell, he's just he is a dedicated solid fender guy all uh, the way across the yeah. board uh from his guitars to his amplifiers uh -huh. and i get it I, yeah. I totally understand it what has been your evolutionary path <laughs> what guitar amp actually made you seek out the tone that you were looking for i understand about rivera uh -huh. they're highly spoken of and and i'm i'm sold if i could only have one amplifier because uh, I'm I'm certain I'm tight on space because everybody I mean it's yeah. tight in here right yeah. I can only have one amplifier and that was the that was the tone. choice if you want tone period period yeah that amplifier yeah. is it, it, it is crunches it. at 65 dB 65 dB is what we're that's the level of volume that yeah. we're speaking right now the but, amplifier but, crunches but at but in and of itself that at at that at that decibel level yeah. sounds just huge. incredible yeah. it just really has a it has this uh 
it has a sonic quality to it that's uniquely that amplifier. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, I think what, you know when you when you record, that's kind of what you're going for. You're going for these like uh, uh, unique something that when you fire up that guitar solo or you're just doing the little jangly stuff in the background it it makes your ear go yeah you know <laughs> and that app does it tone wise that app for me anyway that right. it just has this uh sparkliness to it mm-hmm. um i've i've played lots of amps in, yeah. in in my day um were you a Mesa Boogie guy for a while, or did, was uh, that part of your your path towards I did, Rivera? I did have a Mesa Boogie for a while. It was interesting. I, I, I bought didn't the, I just first before, met you when you had a Mesa Boogie? I think so. I, I, yeah. When I first left Chicago, right, kind of right before I left, I bought a... It was a prototype of the Maverick. Uh, it was a Mesa Boogie model mm-hmm. that they made. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I got it on the I got it on the cheap, and so I played through it kind of in early band days, and that that um, and but there was always something kind of missing for from it right. that I would just uh, couldn't quite get. And um, but, but, justifiably, well, could I just though, in, interject. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of the Mesa boogies that I have heard, and this is just for me, just have recorded all these years. Some of them can be a little thin. They're just a little bit thin. Yeah, this this one didn't. Uh, it just I don't know if it was the 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 box of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. or because sometimes like if you just take that amplifier and you just put it in, like the Marshall what I just yeah. was talking about take the back off and you're like that's a whole different amplifier yeah yeah you know? that's a just a different just ball game not going you know? back to Guitar Center now <laughs> right <laughs> well this Mesa Boogie that I had it was a prototype of the Maverick which mm-hmm. uh, incidentally didn't sound um, it sounded similar too, but not like the Maverick mm-hmm. d- does. If you mm-hmm. go plug into a, a actual production model mm-hmm. Maverick that they have now, and so um, you know, like any good amp, after a while, I guess you uh, you're sort of thinking about something else, and you're maybe searching for a different tone or mm-hmm. whatever. And, right. And um, I let it loose. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> into the world. Yeah, there was. There's another Mesa Boogie amplifier that I I was looking at, sort of side by side with this Marshall. But the Marshall is, you know, a third the price, so that has something to do with it. Right. Um, but the uh, the Boogie I was looking at was the Triple Crown, mm-hmm. and that also has a MIDI jack in interesting the back, so you i didn't even control, know guitar amps were doing mini you know. now it's i, I guess i haven't I, well, the been thing at the is, guitar store the lately. thing is i don't think a lot of them uh, a lot of them do i mm-hmm. really had a hard time figuring out a few that that do right um they have channel switching and through the gt100 you could put a 
you know, you could just put a quarter inch cable right. in and switch the channels. But being able to switch all the different modes in it, that's the that was kind of the big thing. Right. Big thing for me. And just being able to control it from one source without having a you know, the pedal board that I've got with my effects and different sounds. Right. And then a separate channel switching amp. I wanna hit one pedal, switch the channel, switch the effects you know be able to oh. be in a, and then i'm in a i'm in a mode where i've got my different effects lined up and i can if i want to take something on or off right know, delay on so it's a ton of programming that it allows you to do it's a it's a bit of uh, the i i will yeah i will be completely honest the gt100 is a it's a bit of a learning curve right so yeah. um something that you have to sort of dive into or you you'll just beat your head against the wall for a long time you know? <laughs> yeah kind of like everything else yeah so you've done a lot of recording through the years man so uh, uh and we were just talking about melodyne I know, I know my challenges with Melodyne. What have, what have been some of your challenges with it? <laughs> well, um, I haven't used it all too much, but um, from what I've seen, boy, it's like magic. <laughs> but, uh, so a quick note on that. I, my challenge with Melodyne is that the learning curve on it is huge. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't spent enough time on it. But, mm -hmm. as, it, but as a universal pitch correction... Uh, I've I've told you this story before. So yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, um, on one of the songs that you actually did a recording on had a Steinway piano that was slightly mm -hmm. out of tune, mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I and and ran it through Melodyne. Yeah. And it tuned the piano, and I was mm -hmm. like, "On, are you kidding me?" Yeah. Yeah, what? it's wild. <laughs> it is wild. What? Like I said, it's, ma it's magic. Yeah. Uh, but it's digital magic, and uh, I guess uh, I guess it. I'd love to talk to, you know, some of the somebody in one of the you know top production studios right. if they see it as as it still does it still uh, hold this kind of digital to them or does it. Or is it close enough to, you know, when you get into digital processing, it can sometimes right. weird things can right. happen. Right. And, right. and um, so it's that's that's a part of the whole juggling thing. Well, you and I have discussed this before. It seemed like, especially when throwing Melodyne, and this is the old version of the Melodyne 4 that we're talking about, the, the Melodyne 4 version, it, it seemed like there was this tonality change in the vocal tracks that, and 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 I actually started recognizing on on pro stuff coming out of major studios that exact same tone. Yeah, yeah it was like, oh yeah. God, now I sound like blah 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 woof. Uh, that yeah. that production company yeah. or that studio. Yeah, my friend Adam, who and if you've tuned in the podcast, he was on the last one. He says that the Melodyne Five has become transparent. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that I have. So, I have so that 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 it, that tonation uh -huh. change oh. is, is gone now, and so they oh. so they've got so. Well, un understandably, because you'd think that uh, at as a company, if there's something like that that's going on in your software, right? 
either you're going to fix it or somebody else is and you're right. going to go away. Yeah, so, well, there's probably right, is that, know, right. And, and that. Um, but I the industry always, embraced it huge. Yeah. I mean, oh, just, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. I've, uh, you know, I, for for doing just uh, just simple, like, vocal correction type yeah. of stuff, I've always used, um, for a long time now, it's called G-Snap. Uh-huh. And it's just a small little program. I think it's a free program that you get uh, on the Internet where you can sort of dial in um, whatever specific note that you're looking to correct and it's really it's really good as far as as far as that world mm -hmm. goes depending on what you have for settings obviously you can make it sound like the share thing you know mm -hmm. where it's just slammed into oh, tune and that just right you know i guess that has its own its own effect or you know or if you're trying to subtly correct pitch Right, um, and then you do that kind of thing, then it's blatantly apparent. Right, you know? right, right. Um, so it's again, it's just trying to find something that is is transparent. Right, you know. So and, it has, it it has like you said the, the share thing. So it has a vocoder kind of capability to it. Yeah, because you can depending on how you set the settings, you know, you could take a note that's slightly or a lot out of tune and just slap it in tune uh -huh. and that and where you get that sound is when you're right when you're you know either a singer singing and scooping up to a note or they're not right. quite on pitch and then it slaps that right note into pitch you get that very computerized right computer generated sort of tone yeah in the vocal which um uh which you know i guess everybody has their different opinions they like that or they don't like <laughs> I, it but oh, um, i definitely have opinions <laughs> <laughs> for sure and but you know i mean i don't know i guess it's turned into something uh just you know like any style of music it it has its place right, right. you know and and i try not to discount any of that these days and the reason being is because i've just in the last couple of years really started to get really started to listen to like pay attention to listen mm -hmm. to um a lot of the music back in the 80s when i was growing up that i sort right. of i sort of discounted because i was listening to other things you know right. Frank Zappa and things like that so um now going back and listen to me like there's really some great stuff there. yeah yeah that, and it was hard to tell in the 80s but and i don't know if somebody who came of age in the 90s or in the or in the 2000s or in the 2010s right. they right. might say they might say no those periods of music had their own uniqueness to right. it right right um but from me and maybe it's maybe it's my age too i look back on the 80s now and think well that was that was one of the last decades, really, that had its own thing musically. Right, right. And uh, I understand what you're saying. And so I, I you can I argue just, that uh, about like any decade. But, yeah, and so but, a lot yeah. of that, uh, a lot of anyway, to get back to what I was saying, uh, uh, like a lot the, of that. The what '70s I, had its own feel. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, in the '60s, yeah, and the '50s, yeah. yeah. And, so I really think that as far as the late 90s is concerned i think that's 
when electronic digital music started really kicking in and now it seems to just dominate everything yeah yeah it really does and um not that really like i said not that i'm just trying to take a step back from that these mm -hmm. days and sort of appreciate that for what it was because i realized but just you know with age and maturity i guess that <clears throat> that a lot of that stuff that i poo-pooed and discounted it in oh, the 80s yeah and so i think to myself well if i do the same with that i'm probably missing out on a lot of right. great stuff mm -hmm. it's just the it's just that music seems to me that um you know you sort of always have to be searching for what the really good stuff is right you know because especially nowadays there's so much thrown at you right and so it takes even more weeding through yeah to uh, to kind of get at the really really good i stuff. know what you're saying so for me it took me years and years before i embraced you too mm -hmm. but the police mm. first oh, note oh, dropped man. with roxanne it was like yeah. whoa yeah they were what are you who is yeah. this what are you talking about yeah. here and then also there was uh, no question the, with the, the police. fix oh my god oh, yeah. uh, those guys man i was just yeah. like you too it's funny you say that yeah. that's their one that i've 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 recently gone back to and thought man boy great yeah great, great song stuff. right you know all of it yeah but you know uh, but it took half me, the world already knew that, that yeah, and i right, was wondering yeah. what, what what took you so long <laughs> yeah I, yeah you two took me a while yeah. the, that whole that whole thing was mm -hmm. But like I said, man, the police, it was just like, oh, my God. I think, no, yeah. I don't know, it could, it could could very well have been Sting's voice, but just the the, the Copeland and, and what, I forget the, the guitar player's name, uh, Andy Summers, right? Mm. Those guys, man, the, just the three of them together and what they what they all brought to the table, just, the virtuosity. Yeah, just instantly there yeah. was a different sound happening. Yeah, yeah. You know? And just that's like, ooh. Yeah. That's tasty. That sounds good. All those instruments yeah. and the vocals and the yeah, uh, you know they just they did they just did different things. Yeah. Well, and my favorite album of theirs is Ghost in the Machine. I love that one. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a great. One. That's yeah. a great. Yeah. But like I said, from the from the first, as soon as I heard Roxanne, so I was touring at that time, and it was oh, like, uh, and oh god, it would have been it would have been 1979. I uh, think we would we we had just gotten in off the road, and we'd been been out for several months, and and it was you were just a two week breather before going back out, uh, and Roxanne had just come out, and uh, I was just like going, oh my god, what is this? I know when they came out, you're like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You know, there's just yeah. no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. There is yeah. that for sure. Uh, you've gotten some incredible tone out of out of your miking techniques. So, when you're miking your amp, how what do you do? Um, just microphone. Just you, you don't have any specifics. No. You just throw no. it up wherever. Don't really care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just usually, um, I think. Uh, uh, I know microphone techniques have a lot to do with it, but I've always been just kind of simple is is better or easier for me because right. I'm not, uh, um, as far as a studio guy goes, I'm not uh, 
I'm not some, you know, all knowledgeable guy oh, that knows yeah. how to do. Yeah, um, but you've done some great stuff, man. Some great well, recordings. You, yeah. Uh, but, well, that's a testament to, I guess, maybe keeping things simple. Um, well, and, see, that's a technique. You know, if you, work in, if you work in a space that you're familiar with. That's I think that's right. I think that's always been my biggest thing is if you can wrap your arms around it, if but, you can well, wrap your uh, head uh, around uh, it. All your projects have pretty much been home studio stuff, right? Oh yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. what this is this is what mac and cheese is about, uh -huh. is home studios. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. so keep it simple. Know your know your equipment. Right. And well <clears throat> that, it, for for me anyway, yeah. I, I should say I don't know that that's the best uh, way for everybody. But for me, uh, it's a uh, it's a way to sort of uh, keep the technical stuff to a minimum mm -hmm. and really try and get uh, get the sound right. Yeah, you know, uh, to me. I think, uh, and I haven't done a whole lot of experimenting with different like mic techniques and that too, but to me, there's just a world of difference between one amplifier and the next. Right. And so, there is. And so I imagine with different miking techniques, there's probably vast different, mm -hmm. you know, world of, of all that. But, um, you know, I think kind of dialing in your sound and getting what, Knowing what it is you're going after before you go after it. That's a lot thing, of that's a lot of trial and the error. Number one thing I think I've really learned from the studio and all all this time is, and actually I have I have a story that that goes against this. I'll tell you in a minute. Dude, but let's, let's, but the number one thing I think I've realized go is on, like, brother. Yeah. is know know what it is you're you're going to do. I have. I've had a lot of uh, times where I try and get a take and I thought, well, I'll just swing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the changes. And then you go back and listen to it and it just, Sucks. you maybe go in for a solo or something and yeah. you realize there's just no melodic. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah. you might have little bits and pieces that you think, oh man, that's great. But then it's, it's, it's followed up by something that just yeah. like falls way flat, right? You know? And so then you end up just getting irritated and scratching it, where you could have taken that awesome, cool idea, developed it, made a real full thing into it, uh -huh. oh yeah, out yeah. of it, oh yeah, and then um, and then just recorded it as is. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I when I really start to sort of do that and work work out those ideas and then develop those ideas right. before I get to recording and then have the recording just about taking a bunch of takes of the same thing and taking the one that just right. just right. sonically hit. Like you just, for one reason or another way, you slid your finger down the fretboard or something. Right. It just comes out and, it, oh man, that just sounds cool. So for, for me on drums, I, I don't know how many times I've caught I've copped out, right? Uh, it's like I'll just I'll just lay down this groove and then I'll edit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's nothing I could do to salvage the drum part. So then I had to start over yeah. and just did. Yeah. So I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, the multiple yeah. takes, man. Yeah. Multiple takes. Yeah, but like go in, really know your part, really know the biggest thing I, I found out too uh, apart from that is not just 
what you're doing on guitar is that a cool guitar solo because yeah guitar players yeah we want cool guitar solos you know <laughs> but the thing is if you're doing stuff in between the vocalist you really got to know you really have to arrange it and sort of orchestrate it you're orchestrating in a in just a band context instead right. of an orchestra you're taking into consideration what is that vocalist singing what notes are they because mm -hmm. if you're hanging on those that it just isn't going to sound right. right i found most of the time that those if you're if you're if you're a little voice leading thing that you're doing maybe for chords or whatever stepping all over the vocalist, that's just bad right, news. Right. That just will not come out sounding good. Even taking that, uh, a lot of times try to take it and, you know, shove it to one speaker mm -hmm. kind of thing. Oh, the panning thing? Yeah, yeah. Distance it or separate right, right. it. Right, And just... But hey, man, more like, oh, nope, reverb. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in the mix. Yeah, 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 yeah right, right. It doesn't always work. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I really have always enjoyed your approach. And you said, and you've told me in the past, it's because you don't have a lot of tools, but but the the, the quality of the, your recordings are just so present with 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 a minimal approach. And how do how do you get that? So you've been you've been recording in like your your bedrooms and stuff like that, but you get you get the presence in your recordings like you're in a a, a highly controlled studio room. Uh, that it, it sounds like you, your recordings of you, that you have had a, a great facility that you recorded in, and and actually you just did it in your bedroom. Well, <laughs> well, thanks. I, I, I think a lot of that comes down to arranging. I uh, believe it or not, I think that um, somebody told me a long time ago about how a recording has to have you know all the instruments have to sort of have their own musical space their right. own sonic right space mm -hmm. you know if you've got a mandolin it's way up here if you've got a guitar it's kind of in the you know right um mid heavy how is that going to how is that going to blend with right drums and toms mm -hmm. and different right. things you right. know uh the the bass is the bass going to get lost you know when there's all this muddy stuff going on right. down here how do you how do you do and i think a lot of that really boils down to it's more of a technical thing uh, a scientific thing about waveforms and how mm -hmm. they work mm -hmm. you know when you've got a a low note making a you know making a long wave and it sits in this space here right uh, well if you if you know that this you know, this A is 440 and this A is 880, and mm -hmm. then you've got, but you've got a vocalist here, and you're, and they're, and they're, and it's, you know, flip flopping part. Like sometimes the vocalist is singing below the guitar, but sometimes right, it's above because right. we're the guitar players right. doing the voicings. Probably a good time to rethink what those voicings are for guitar, mm -hmm. because if you really like the melody and it works over those chord changes, great change what's change what's supporting that uh -huh. Ch take take what's really good about it mm -hmm. and support that 
and you know the guitar player will have to get over his ego thing when they yeah <laughs> make that's him, you make him revoice the chords <laughs> yeah you know yeah but uh, I've had yeah I've had a lot of stuff where I've just I'll be in the studio and um, just recording a part and you'll hear something sonically I'll just have to change the voicing just right then and there uh-huh yeah it's like oh that just doesn't work but if I <laughs> so uh, that's really that's wow I mean you've really spent a lot of time working on that and trying to make it happen well, well you've got you like know, six albums underneath you right oh no <laughs> no I we, we've probably recorded a lot more stuff than it has has we've actually released people yeah <laughs> people yeah. listen to yeah, yeah. Um, for that's that's for sure o- over the years, but um, just a you know a couple of a couple of different albums. My ex-wife she had a solo album that we did um, primarily at home. Um, that was a long quite yeah. a while ago and thousands and uh, thousands of hours of recording. Oh, it's them. just yeah. it was a really a lot to learn. You yeah, know? I remember back when I first got. Uh, the very first software that I ever had trying to get sound into a computer. You know, I had this... Uh, what what was know. that? Do it you was remember? called... The software was called Cool Edit Pro. Oh, I remember that. Do you that. remember that? I remember the wow. name. I don't think okay. I... Yeah, well, I'm older than you. So, well, it yeah. was, you know, yeah. something similar to like we're looking yeah. at here now. But, uh, you know, obviously it's developed and, right. you know, it's, right. it's, uh, it's matured. It's pretty sophisticated now you know and um well yeah my first thing was cakewalk and i spent a year and a half looking at it i could make it i could make it play back the stuff the demo but i couldn't make yeah. it do anything else not, oh, not realizing it was that like, that i was brain dead I, that I still needed to have something that was an yeah. interface to make oh, it work yeah it was it was a it was a, i remember it was a yeah it was a week of just how do I get sound into this thing? <laughs> and, and then, and then when I thought I had it all figured out, I had it plugged in. This, this on, this yeah, on. Yeah. Got everything going. Hit the record button. It should work. But boom, nothing. nothing. Yeah. And, uh, oh man, it just wow. You know, it was a it was a steep learning. But I was learning just recording in general. Yeah. You know, I had done very minuscule yeah. amount of yeah. that. Um, beforehand, so yeah. I didn't know much about doing it, you know, in an analog context. Right. Well, it certainly wasn't as easy as that four-track cassette recorder that I used to have. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend back when in uh, in gosh, I don't know, high school, early college, or whatever, had one of those. And I was bugging him. I remember bugging him. Come on, man, let's you know, let's record that thing up. We can record, <laughs> yeah. Know? That would be cool. Yeah. And he laid tracks, and I don't know. We messed around one one day on it with some things, and I just thought it was the coolest thing, man. Yeah, you know. And uh, so there's no uh, no doubt at some point it was going to. Yeah, you know. one of my friends uh, picked up an eight track Tascam half inch. And which is a great machine, right? right? And, and so he had like he had like I, I don't know what, what what was Mackie before it was Mackie. What was that brand called? Oh, uh, was it a different it, it company? Was, just it, or it was same it, company. It was, different yeah, name. yeah, it was the first oh. incarnation. I, oh. I can't remember what oh. the, what it was, but he had one of those, 
And God forbid, no, we, nobody, we, we didn't understand what a condenser microphone was or let alone even a preamp. And so like, you know, we'd record record the drums and record the vocals and record the, record the guitar. And it's like, and you know, it was like we were using a 57, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it was like, how come, how come after we did all this work, it doesn't sound very good? <laughs> I mean, not even an understanding of how to EQ something after the fact, yeah. you know? It was just like, geez, I spent uh, I spent many years thinking that uh, thinking that the uh, recording software was lying to me. You know? uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was... Until, you, until at some point you get real and go, okay, I guess that's... I guess that's me. I guess I suck. I guess I need to work well, on that. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it was... <laughs> Back in the old days, it didn't realize that you had to like apply like EQ and compression and all uh, that stuff. And and yeah. honestly, man, I mean, uh, back then, man, it wasn't affordable at all. It was jeez, no, yeah, yeah. man. When I first got out of college, uh, I had an internship at a recording studio that was close by me in Chicago, and um, he had, you know. Set. I mean, he yeah. had, uh, I forget what he said. He had spent a hundred grand on equipment, Easy. you know, and that's just scratching and, the service uh, back then, you know. But he had some, oh, he had some just top of the line Neumann mics, and yeah, and uh, always have been, and it was really cool. It cut, it lit, it lit the fire in me for it, but um, but it, uh, I didn't get a whole lot of understanding, right, um, from it because I think when you're at the helm, when you're when you're working the controls, then you start to take it in. Um, even even then, it's a long it's a long process. It's a steep learning. Curve. So you were an intern at this studio. I was. I was. Uh, I got. I just got out of college, and it was sort of my final uh, thing. I had to do an internship, right. and um, so they said, "Yeah, they take me on." And lucky and lucky enough for me, in Chicago, it was. Five ten minutes away, which is you know I right. thought for sure yeah. I'd have to drive you know an hour and a half each right. way. And right, right, right. No, it was like ten minutes away, and um, so I was I was working there for I don't know a week or two, and the guy said, "How about we just hire you?" <laughs> wow, you know. So Holy. and uh, yeah, they and it wasn't really... it wasn't a lot. It was this much above minimum wage right, right. but uh, uh but it Must was really sure like your work sure was fun and yeah. cool and uh well i showed up you know yeah well, you showed up <laughs> and you weren't drunk or stoned that makes a big difference hey <laughs> <laughs> hey man i'm working with these that's guys a... working at the studio hey man <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah that's pretty reliable you know yeah that is that is reliable well, then that was like fresh out of college, or what? what that was, was yeah, yeah, fresh out of college, yeah. and uh, so I was there for I don't know. A, That's cool uh, that you got a that year, gig. a year or two, and but I was I was looking to get out of Chicago, so I quit that and made my way down to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how many bands do you think you've been in? <laughs> yeah, that, me uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> too many. Yeah. Do we do we count the ones that were? Pretend or the 
Oh, over the, God, no. Over I, I guess that would be... Oh, wait a minute. For <laughs> 10 bands. Oh, oh God. I, and then what qualifies a band to be a real band, man? Is the, you got to set up that prior, parameter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so is, was, is uh, the definition of a band... A band that's getting paid money, or is it a band that you did that you're together where you're just recording, uh, or was it a band that you sat in this practice studio for three years? Sure. <laughs> is that a band? Sure. <laughs> we'll call it a band. <laughs> all of all of that, yeah. all of the above. It's it's like uh, one of my one of my favorite ones is that I have a friend that's going to be. Play, playing his acoustic guitar down at the coffee shop for an hour and a half, and he goes, "Hey man, you gotta come check out my show." <laughs> Your show, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that you're down at the coffee place doing a show. <laughs> oh, oh. Speaking of that, I, you know, that's one thing I really think. Uh, uh, I haven't i haven't been involved in uh band wise much over the years it was more about you know putting the music together and going out and doing gigs but i uh i recently have acquired this desire to be in a band that's just like funky cool and and the and the dress and the image and all that and oh, the yeah. showmanship yeah, of it yeah. is actually part of it. You know? Absolutely. Where it's something yeah. where, you know, people are like, what? Well, you know <laughs> what? You know, but David, uh, wait a minute. That requires work and commitment. <laughs> yeah. It's, you take uh, all, all the experiences, you take it all with you. Yeah. And, um, and if you're... If you're in pursuit of songwriting, um, then that's uh, that's something new to write about, you know. All oh, yeah. your experiences, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, you just you sort of take that, learn your learn your lessons, I guess, in life, because that's what you should do. And you should have uh, been a dad. Uh, <laughs> you would have been a great father. Uh, <laughs> Practice your guitar. Practice your guitar. Yes. Scales. Scales. Metronome. Scales. Metronome. <laughs> Miss the beat. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I uh, just want to thank everybody for listening. This has been Dave Tiemann and Brian at Mac and Cheese. Uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks again, brother. Yeah, nice yeah. to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, Bruno, you got some words of wisdom for everybody? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming.